This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. Mr. Davis, good to have you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right, man. A lot going on in the world today. First off, I was just speaking about the Clinton Global Initiative closing down. Wouldn't one think that now there'd be more time for fundraising, more time to focus on the needy children of the world, Sean, and yet all of a sudden, less donations, less activity? It just doesn't add up. Isn't it strange how this thing, which totally wasn't a blatant influence-peddling organization, shut down right after its main reason for existing lost an election? Isn't that a weird coincidence? It's very strange to me, and I wonder how people are going to explain this one, because some are going to raise this, because we remembered during the campaign being told that if we didn't support the fantastic work, the great work of the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative, uh, we were stealing food out of the mouths of hungry babies. Well, yeah, so the the thing is, to anyone, this will come as a surprise to anyone who didn't uh, spend even a few minutes looking at the Clinton Foundation's financials which is to say this will shock every single person in the political press corps. Um, if you actually look at the Clinton Foundation's finances, this was not a big charity doing charity work. That was actually a totally separate entity started years and years ago by uh, Ira Magazine or a Clinton confidant. But if you look at the Clinton Foundation financials, their biggest programs were the Clinton Global Initiative, which was basically all the prep and money it took to have this big, glitzy annual dinner – and then the second big, biggest uh, initiative of the, of the Clinton Foundation was maintaining Bill Clinton's presidential library in Little Rock. So the fact that their big influence peddling war pretty much dried up after Hillary uh, uh, lost is not a surprise at all to anyone who has any level of familiarity with the Clinton Foundation's finances. What are your thoughts? So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent on all of that. Put that in the book, everybody, or you know, put it in the books or in your book if you're writing one. Uh, Sean, the latest with the back and forth between the Intel community and Trump, I I see a a lot of conservatives that I like and who are smart seem to think that Trump is totally in the wrong here, that he's going way off the reservation by saying nasty things about, uh, I just realized off the reservation is probably a microaggression. I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Right? He's he's going way uh, off script by attacking the Intel community. Uh, I see the intel community. Someone's leaking stuff and doing stuff that seems like political hackery to me, and I used to be in the intel community. You're exactly right, and I'll defer to you on all that stuff because you have experiences that I just don't have. But from an outsider looking in, there are kind of two stories going on, and one's not getting any real coverage. The first story is the substance. Oh, let's look at all these salacious rumors about Trump that appear to be coming from the intelligence community, and then let's all pretend they're correct, and then we can all have a freakout based on our assumption that the stuff that's totally anonymous and unsourced and unverified is true. So that's that's story number one. Story number two, which is not getting any coverage, and this is what's fascinating to me, is who is doing the leaking? Now, I remember during the Bush administration, 
um, that a uh, columnist mentioned um, that a guy who was freelancing out in the Middle East trying to do WMD research was married to a CIA agent. And that ended up getting a Bush White House person uh, official uh, convicted, and he wasn't even the guy who leaked it. Uh, now, let's look at what's happening now. We have uh, contents of intercepts, of phone intercepts that are being leaked. Um, that, to me, is a pretty big deal. And there seems to be a very, very small universe of people who that kind of information can come from. Uh, and if I were them, I'd either be getting a lawyer or I'd be hoping that January 20th never comes because they are going to be in huge trouble for illegally leaking once Donald Trump takes office. I love that people act like I'm and this is on Twitter and I talked to this a little bit on Fox over the weekend and some of the reaction that I saw in, on the interwebs, which is you should never pay attention to, as you know, Sean, but it's hard not to sometimes. You want to just I just want to grab people and say, what is wrong with you? Uh, that the phone call between Flynn and the Russian ambassador was even known to anyone in the press. Um, unless they unless the media has a a mole like a secretary who overheard Flynn calling the Russian ambo. The Russians certainly didn't leak that. Flynn certainly didn't leak that. This is a phone call from one party to another. They have the date and time information on it. You know enough. I know enough. Anybody paying attention knows enough to know that that's the kind of information you only get from certain places. And if it came from those places, it is an absolutely egregious and wildly illegal leak of personal information. That's right. And so what we know – so we, we don't actually know anything about this phone call. All we know is that they talked, uh, which is totally unsurprising seeing as how Flynn is going to be the national security advisor in about three days and 22 hours and 55 minutes, not that anyone's counting. So there, there's two ways they could have gotten this information. Either they wiretapped Flynn himself, which would have required a FISA warrant, and you're not even allowed to dis disclose the existence of a FISA warrant, let alone the information collected – uh, through it, or they had tapped the Russian ambassador. So let's just assume it's it's the least crazy one of all, and that they tapped the Russian ambassador. Well, you know what? That guy now knows exactly where the information came from, and that uh, source of signal intelligence is now completely burned. Just so somebody in the intelligence community, probably two, one of two or three people, uh, wanted a, a nasty little headline or article in the Washington Post to slam Trump. Uh, the, Whoever did that deserves to be in prison. It's absurd, and we shouldn't tolerate that from anyone towards any politician, regardless of the party or ideology. Now, let's talk a bit about the comments that Trump made yesterday, which, of course, it's still vague. But saying that there's going to be insurance, that he wants insurance for everybody. Is this, do we think the Republicans are going to be able to keep it on the path here and actually get this done with Obamacare? Or do you see cracks coming? What what is this? What is this Trump insurance for everybody? What could that mean? Should people be concerned? Should conservatives be as concerned as I see some of them are? Or you think this is just look, let's wait till we see what the, the Congress, Republican led Congress comes up with and let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, so I will say, having spent uh, a lot of time as a conservative working in uh, Republican congressional circles, Conservatives should always be worried when Republican leadership and Republicans in Congress start thinking about doing stuff, because there's a good chance they're going to do something that's not all that conservative. Um, when you combine just that general uh, awareness that people should have with the stuff Trump said during the campaign, uh, I'm not going to be surprised at all if they don't even repeal a tiny fraction of Obamacare, or maybe they'll repeal it, replace it with virtually the same stuff and brand it as their own thing. But I personally don't have any faith 
based on what I've seen and heard and have experienced these people, that they're going to do anything remotely close to repealing the entirety of Obamacare. What should they do? Are you for pull the whole thing out, root and branch, and and step by step put pieces back into place? What what is the what is the best outcome here? So so there that's two questions there, and so one is strategic and one is tactical. So the strategic question is, should they repeal the entire thing, every last word? And I say, as someone uh, <clears throat> who has dealt with the law, both as a you know the head of a family and the owner of a business. It is a nightmare. It crushes small businesses. You know, my family's personal premiums have gone way up. Our deductibles have gone way up. Our choice has gone down, and our actual care has gotten worse. So I think without a doubt, you have to repeal the whole thing and start over. So then we get to the second question, which is tactical. Uh, Should they repeal it all at once and then replace it all at once? Should they repeal it all at once and replace it bit by bit? Should they repeal it bit by bit? I could make good arguments for each of those. I don't think I have strong feelings either way. But if they're not committed to repealing the whole thing, I I don't think it matters. And now, Sean, I told you we'd talk about all the things. And whenever we get Sean Davis in the Freedom Hut, that's what we do. It's like uh, it's like PTI, but on matters of national security and politics instead of, you know, who throws the best spiral out on the field. So we got the feud between Trump and uh, and Lewis, what are your what are your thoughts on Representative Lewis's comments that and by the way, do we have that audio? If we do, let me know. Um, uh, uh, let's let's play it for a second here. President elect as a legitimate president. You do not consider him a legitimate president. Why is that? I, I think the Russians participated in helping this man get elected mm-hmm. and they helped destroyed the candidacy of Hillary Clinton. Okay, so this is uh, beyond, and we're going to revisit this later in the show as well, uh, team, but I wanted, Sean, your reaction to this. I, I, and I know this is unpopular, I feel this way about John McCain, too, that somebody did something heroic at one point in their life, yeah, that you can always refer to them as a hero for that heroism. It doesn't mean they could say whatever they want without criticism, and they're always right. I mean, I apply this to John McCain and John Lewis. I wouldn't have taken Trump's tact on this, but I could probably say that about everything every day. What do you think about this whole dust-up? Uh, to me, the fact that you got a, mem- a sitting member of Congress, I don't know who it is, saying the incoming president is illegitimate is, is foul play. Well, gosh, I remember during a certain presidential beta, uh, debate a couple months ago, um, how the press and the Democratic establishment uh, reacted with horror at Trump's refusal to concede a race that hadn't even happened yet. We were told it was un-American, that it was treason, that it was traitorous, but that was only when they thought Hillary was going to win. So now that Hillary's lost and Trump won, um, all that goes out the window, and of course we have to say he's illegitimate because he's a Republican and Republicans aren't allowed to be uh, president when there's a Democrat who wants it, which brings us to John Lewis. So I think without a doubt – um, he is an American civil rights hero and, and, and an icon. What he did during the civil rights movement um, and what he endured is remarkable, and we should all respect him for that. With that said, I don't really care what he has to say about uh, Donald Trump or Russia because he would say any Republican president is illegitimate. Um, he was saying the same things roughly about McCain during the OA campaign. Uh, I, I honestly – I just don't care what he thinks. Right. And, and for the record, this is what I feel everyone would say with John McCain. We're talking about tax policy or McCain Feingold. There was well, but he's a hero for what he did for his country. Yeah, we, I, of course, right? No one's trying. At least no one that in this context of the conversation is trying to say anything about that. Just like with John Lewis, 
well, what he did was heroic, and that's untouchable, and that's his legacy. But that doesn't mean that now you get to just say anything, and everyone goes, well, he was a civil rights hero, so he must be correct here. And it's interesting that McCain yeah, he, actually got criticism from Lewis because it's like, they're both heroes. What do we do? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think kind of the same about Marcus Luttrell, who's the Navy SEAL featured in Lone Survivor. He is an amazing human being, an amazing man and soldier, and he did incredible things. Um, but as much as I love Marcus, I don't care what he thinks about, like, uh, CO2 regs at EPA. And, like, you know, when, when Chris I don't Kyle think Marcus cares either, but I see your point, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't care what Chris Kyle thought about the appropriate uh, uh, lowest tax bracket and whether we should have certain tax rates. I just don't care. Um, you know, kind of stick to what you know, stick to your expertise. Um, and, and when I see people, especially politicians of any stripe, trying to use uh, moral uh, capital that they gained decades ago in completely different circumstances and then use it to morally blackmail me now for not agreeing with their partisan political preferences, I, I have no patience for it, and I, I, I just don't care. Last one for you, Sean. And we're speaking to Sean Davis, the co-founder of The Federalist. The Federalist is one of the sites that I can tell you all I have bookmarked on my browser. I think it's a great site, and Sean writes there, as do many of his editors and our friend Ben Dominich as well. Uh, uh, Sean, there's 20, I think, members of Congress skipping the inauguration. Big deal, not a big deal, being a bunch of whiners, up to them. What do you think? Yeah, I don't care. I kind of don't care who goes. I don't care who doesn't go. Um, you know, if, if they represent a district where everyone, you know, hates the guy who's doing it and their form of protest is not attending an inauguration where their presence is quite honestly pretty irrelevant and not at all consequential to the events, fine. If people want to go and, you know, get up close to him or sit behind him, fine. I, I don't care. It's all political theater. It's pageantry. I wish they'd spend a little more time doing their jobs and a little less time trying to get coverage uh, by talking about what event they are or aren't going to go to. What do you think about paring it down to just a swearing? I'm anti-presidential pageantry across the board. I want just a swearing-in ceremony, and that's it. I want uh, no more giant motorcades in D.C. like you're traveling through Mogadishu or Kabul or something. Uh, you know, no more State of the Union address just because. I'm, I'm, I want to do away with a lot of this stuff. Oh, I'm 100% on Team Buck. Let, let's start shrinking the office uh, down to what the uh, founders intended and stop treating it like it's some, you know, gigantic celebrity with uh, rock stars and movie stars all the time coming in and out of the White House. Just just do your job, do it quietly, and then move on when you're done. Sean Davis of the Federalist, everybody. He is at Sean, S-E-A-N-M-D-A-V on Twitter. Sean, great to have you, sir. Come back soon. We'll talk to you. Always fun. Thank you, Buck. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 